or potential benefit? I, I would. The only thing I can really think of is wanting the novelty, um, but it would have to be with both partners again feeling very secure. Um, both partners feeling that they had the desire for novelty, but who also felt very secure with each other. And, and, you know, when we talk about the fact that the buffer was that they had sex with each other frequently, to me, that's an indication that they really considered each other their prime partners, Mm. but they just wanted additional experiences. This week, researchers look at two longitudinal studies about open relationships and marital satisfaction. Dr. Karen Sherman breaks down the findings and more. Stay tuned. I'm going to keep this short. First, thank you for listening. If you're a regular listener, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review on whatever platform you listen to us on. This will help others discover us. Also, if you like the podcast, I highly recommend visiting our website, hitchedmag.com, which is updated daily with new content and where you will find thousands of articles available anytime. Lastly, I understand that not everything we talk about applies to everyone. However, I am confident that if you go to hitchmag.com and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, that you will find at least one and probably more pieces of information each week that will help your marriage thrive. I hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the brilliant, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Hello. Uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information and much more at her website, drkarensherman.com. So today, uh, I came across a study. And the study, of course you did. Of course I did. This is what I do in my spare time, right? I, I look, oh, God. I rummage yeah. around the uh, the internet and journals for new inter- interesting studies. So um, this one uh, expl- basically breaks down the fact that your social socio sexual orientation could make your marriage more difficult. So what does that mean? So uh, researchers looked at two independent longitudinal studies of 204 heterosexual newlywed couples. They looked at their attitudes, desires, behaviors uh, towards uncommitted sex, and their marital satisfaction. So they found that those with more unrestricted sociosexuality, meaning those who were more inclined towards casual sex, even though they were married— tended to begin their marriage marriages less satisfied and remain less satisfied over time. What's interesting, though, is that this didn't mean that the marriage was doomed. And we, we will get into that in a minute. But with that first little uh, lob that I tossed up there, do you have any initial thoughts on this, uh, either from uh, previous research that you've seen or clients that you've dealt with or anything like that? 
Well, I'm I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, I mean, basically, you you've expressed this in very eloquent terms. But basically, what you're saying is that couples who have open marriages sexually tend to not be as satisfied when they get married and not as satisfied in the long run in the marriage, if I'm understanding you correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So no, I'm not surprised. I I just wanted to add that this, it was those who went into the marriage with that, not Mm -hmm. like they had been in, been married for, you know, however long and were like, Hey, let's try something new. So. Right. Right. um, Okay. So you know, one of the things when I looked at your questions that I didn't see mentioned, but which I saw in the study, because I read mm-hmm. it as well, was that they looked at, among the thing that caught my eye was that they looked at uh, people's attachment styles. And attachment mm-hmm. styles go back to childhood and how secure a person felt in their childhood or not secure. And so my guess would be that for many people, I don't want to say all, but for many people, that what might be beneath the desire for casual sex is somebody who does not have a secure attachment style and needs to have a constant reassurance or a constant sense of feeling special or even though it's for the moment or short term, mm-hmm. but of uh, constantly getting reinforcement about that. And so when you say they go into the marriage with not a lot of satisfaction and then that continues, I'm not surprised by that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that in order to make a commitment to somebody, um, you have to feel okay about yourself. Um, there are a lot of people who have commitment issues, and even that is a certain type of attachment style, which is not secure. Mm-hmm. So um, to me, um, and the people I've worked with who have difficulty in their relationships, etc., um, I have had uh, one couple that I worked with for a very long time who had an open marriage. Um, that was the thing that really sort of rang out for me. Okay. Um, so the researchers found that there was a buffer, as I mentioned at the mm-hmm. top, to these mm-hmm. open relationships. And they found uh, unrestricted sociosexuality was not associated with poor, poorer marital outcomes among people who had frequent satisfying sex with their partner mm-hmm. or reported low life stress. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think this is important because it suggests that unrestricted sociosexuality is not inherently bad for relationships. Uh, do you have any extended thoughts on that? Yeah. So again, see, I'm looking at it more from the point of view of what does the relationship provide for you? Mm -hmm. And if in the relationship you feel connected to your partner and you're having satisfying sex, um, and you feel really good about your partner, but you also, and we'll get to that in a later question, desire to have other partners. I could see why that would be, you know, why having a lot of sex frequently, um, although I'm being redundant right there, would then act as a buffer Mm -hmm. because those couples probably 
have a different mindset altogether. It is not what I said when I answered you the first time. In other words, they're not looking to feed their sense of self or to, um, you know, get gratification through many different partners. I think that that may have something else going on, which we'll talk about in a moment. So I think that when their um, main relationship is pretty solid and there's a lot of sex and they don't have stress, that there's a different factor playing in to uh, why they also have these other relationships. And that would mean that it's a viable option for some couples. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, like I was thinking, um, like you hear a lot about uh, p- individuals who are in high stress situations mm-hmm. where they do venture outside of the relationship. And that's typically not in a, in an open agreed upon arrangement. Right. Um, that's some, for some way to satisfy their stress or whatever, which is, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I, which is why I found like the low stress part being highlighted really interesting there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so one of the items that, uh, that was highlighted was that people with more unrestricted partners tended to experience steeper declines in satisfaction, mm-hmm. which in turn uh, predicted marital uh, disillusion. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think this is because there becomes a lopsided satisfaction imbalance where like one partner is doing this, but the other partner is like, I'll go along with it, but it's not really my thing. I suppose that's a possibility. I also think that, again, if you're looking, even if it's, forget about sex for a moment, even if you're looking to somebody to complete you, mm-hmm. you know, as the old romance movies would have you believe, um, it's not going to work. Um, you've, you've got to feel good about yourself. You've got to feel um, that you're a lovable person and not feel that you're okay as long as you're with someone. So if they basically come into the marriage feeling insecure or feeling unsatisfied, and they're merely looking for this as a way to feel better, it's not going to work. So they're only going to get more and more dissatisfied, which will come out in ways where there's going to be, I'm sure, attacking or negativity or blaming, you know, any number Mm -hmm. of negative behaviors as a result of feeling this dissatisfaction, which eventually would lead to the marital disillusion. See, so for me, this group of people um, goes along with the way I answered your first question, that they are people who really are missing another component. It's not being done um, based on, I feel good about who I am, but I I just would also like to have different partners. And I I feel good about our relationship. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, So with all that being said, and knowing that, you know, the potential dangers here, why would a couple consider, or can you think of a beneficial reason for a couple to open things up, um, particularly if they've never done it before? Because we know that couples who come into it this way, uh, the research is showing that they they just already have mm-hmm. less marital satisfaction. But uh, for those who've never done it before but are thinking about it, what would be the benefit for them or potential benefit? I, I would. The only thing I can really think of is wanting the novelty. 
Um, but it would have to be with both partners, again, feeling very secure, um, both partners feeling that they had the desire for novelty, but who also felt very secure with each other. And, and you know, when we talk about the fact that the buffer was that they had sex with each other frequently, to me, that's an indication that they really considered each other their prime partners, mm. but they just wanted additional experiences. <laughs> so you'll love this, by the way. So on my notes, <laughs> which yeah? I didn't send to you, uh, I have an all caps novelty. <laughs> Is that right? I swear. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, that was exactly what that was. The, that I was trying to go through this in my mind as well, thinking like, okay, so what is the and that was the one that like just rang out to me of like, yeah. why. Yeah. Um, okay, so I feel like we're definitely on the same page on that. Okay. Um, so, so we know that there are a lot of different ways for relationships to work. And I think that's, that's one of the reasons why I find this interesting, um, mm-hmm. is, uh, that we know there isn't just like one size fits all for all relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so how would you caution couples who are not in one of these unrestricted sociosexual relationships, but they are actually considering it and they are thinking like, yeah, we're in a good place our sex life is fine or good. And, you know, this novelty thing sounds pretty good. Like what would your cautions to them be? Well, I think first of all, they've got to, they've got to have an open discussion about it, you know, and it's interesting because in most couples in the United States, having a discussion about sex is not an easy topic. Um, I'm going to say that if this is a difficult conversation to have, then it's not a choice you should make. Oh, that's a good. Um, I like that rule, by the way. Okay, yeah. so should be able to openly discuss it, and um, then it should be where you really have to talk about: Does each person truly feel okay with it? Because this is so ripe for bringing up um, insecurities and uncertainties, and then you would have to talk about the boundaries, um, and you know, what's going to be allowed and, you know, where do you stop certain things and how often, and, you know, all sorts of things like that. You'd have to talk about the risk of disease. Um, so there's a lot to talk about before you go plunging into it. Um, and again, I think in large part, it's got to be about the emotional consequence of it. Um, This is going to sound very stereotypical, but I think for most women, this is going to be a more emotionally charged situation than for men. Women tend to, with sex, have more of an emotional component to it. Men can enjoy the biological and not get as emotionally involved. I'm not saying that they don't. I'm just saying that I think there's more emotional pieces to it for women. So there would really have to be a talk about all the different aspects of it, including um, that we do check-ins with each other. Hmm. So if we start to do this, we check back with each other. How does it feel? You know, is there guilt? Are you enjoying it? How do, do you, does your mind wander? Does it bring up any concerns about you and me? I you know, it's got to be a very thorough uh, discussion. And if one of the uh, people in the relationship is starting to feel like it's not okay, 
I believe you should stop it because Mm -hmm. I think if, you know, then it becomes lopsided. And I do think that that is going to um, foreshadow that there's going to be an end to the marriage. Right. This, like, this also seems to me to be one of those things where it's like, it's a threshold that you can't cross back over. So um, if you, if you take that step, um, and there are these emotional complications and whatever other things come up out of it. It doesn't seem like that, like you could just wash that away and be like, well, that didn't happen or it didn't mean anything or whatever, because you've done it. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm going to ask you a bonus question here. Okay. So let's, let's say a couple did do this, uh, mm-hmm. and they found our podcast and they're like, you know what? We thought it was cool. We tried it. We did it. Um, we realized that we don't like it, um, mm-hmm. but we're having trouble dealing with the fallout from it. We still love each other. We don't want, uh, you know, we don't want to like divorce over it or anything, but this is an issue that we just can't shake. What would you, what kind of advice would you have for that kind of a couple? Well, again, you know, um, Hopefully they can talk it through themselves as to, you know, why was it difficult? Where did they get stuck? What issues did it bring up, et cetera, et cetera. And again, because they've opened up their marriage and because hopefully they've had this very um, thorough open discussion beforehand, they can then do the same on the other end. If that isn't the case, then they're probably going to have to go to an outsider, to you know, some kind of a therapist, to help them work through the issues. Um, you know, I can certainly foresee that both parties agree to everything up front and say, "Yes, let's try this," etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and then, unbeknownst to one of them, it triggers something for them that they didn't anticipate. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so you've got to be wary of that. Um, For a guy, was I adequate enough? You know, comparing me now to the new partners that you're taking on. For the woman, you know, um, does she mean more to you than than I do? So I do think that you're you're walking a fine line here. Um, But again, uh, I think that the openness has to be not only in the sexuality, but in the conversation before, in the ongoing process of how it's going. And then if it's not working, to admit that. Um, and then if there are issues that came up for you, to be open about what they they are. And, you know, the real proof, I think, is going to be if your marriage was really solid so that you felt you wanted to try it, that that's going to be what's going to help you. It's going to be a struggle, but help you deal with working your way through and getting back onto solid ground and understanding that, okay, we tried this. It wasn't for us. You know, uh, let's again, talk through all the different feelings that came out of it and know that this is really something that, that isn't good for our couplehood. Mm-hmm. I, like, do you think the process would be similar to if a spouse, like, so this would be something that was agreed upon and blah, blah, blah. Do you think the, the process of getting over something like this would be similar to infidelity? No, because, 
um, with infidelity that's being done in secret. Mm-hmm. Trust is being tro- uh, being broken. You know, it's a betrayal. Right. Only one person did it. And uh, generally, when there's infidelity, it's usually indicative that there's some problem in the marriage that hasn't been dealt with. If both partners are agreeing to do this, especially for the idea of novelty, it's not tr- no trust is being broken. They're both right. agreeing to do this. Uh, it's not going to have the same kind of feeling. But again, you know, there's no way of knowing if something from the past gets triggered that you didn't anticipate. Right. Um, but it, I, it does not have the same sting by Got any it. means. Got it. Okay. Cool. Um, was there anything else that you would like to add to this conversation? Well, you know, I I must say that I don't have a vast amount of experience, you know, with a lot of my clients, but with the one couple who I did, who was really, they both told me initially that they were very much both in agreement to doing this. And yet, um, as we worked together, there was... There were a lot of feelings that came out, which indicated that it really was not okay Mm. on either end Mm -hmm. uh, for lots of different reasons. So um, I hesitate. I would hesitate um, saying to a couple, you know, yes, I think that this is a great idea to add spice and novelty to your relationship. I think it it sort of um, is really good fodder for um, a lot of difficulty. Got it. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, like, like I said, like, I feel like this is, it's such a big, uh, leap for a relationship to take that I feel like a lot of consideration would have to go into it and reflection and I don't like, I don't even know what else. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, okay. This was fantastic, Karen. Uh, I think with that though, with that wise advice, uh, that will do it for us this week. So thank you so much for your time. It is always a pleasure. Yes, it is for me. Thank you. Uh, And so we are going to wrap this one up. But before you go, I would like to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. She is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information at her website, drkarensherman.com. You can also find it on our website, hitchedmag.com, along with thousands of articles, the entire podcast archive, uh, a link to our newsletter, and much, much more. So hopefully you check that out. And with that, uh, we are going to wrap it up. And so until next time, take care, everybody.